0: Hello! Hello, and welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. I've got with me, as always, my friend, my special, special friend, but not special that way, Andy.
1: <laughs> what is up, buddy? Good to be back on the show. So we're Album Nerds. We like listening to full records. We like talking about the full records, breaking them down, kind of getting in-depth and uh have a little fun hopefully uh hopefully entertain as well as educate. And uh we usually uh pick a couple records each and and delve in and, and uh hopefully have a fun uh couple of fun stories along the way.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. So yeah, we're gonna be uh talking about some some albums. Why won't you join us?
1: <laughs> Change my sweater and I uh, put on my house shoes here.
0: Are you doing a Mr. Rogers thing? <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, so we were talking about, uh, 1992 and I know like one of the big movements back in, like that was 25 years ago, actually this, this year. Jeez. Um, can, I, can you believe that? No,
0: <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> because I was technically an adult then. Oh, uh, no,
1: right. So let's take everybody back. The Iraq war had just ended, the desert storm operation. Um, Bill Clinton was just, uh, just elected president. Yes, sir. And uh, Rock the Vote was the big thing during that that campaign cycle. You had all the musicians, MTV VJs out trying to get the uh, the youth of America out to the polls and representing uh, the culture.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's back when MTV meant something. It was a music-only channel where they just played music videos – that was the place. You'd watch MTV, musicians and actors would tell you, hey, rock the vote, go vote, get out there. So young people went out and voted in droves and uh, helped affect the outcome of the election. I mean, we had George Bush, the first one, uh, that had been in office for eight year, four years, rather. eight <laughs> Four years, uh, <laughs> handled the whole desert storm thing pretty well. People were really up on him. And then there was a little bit of a downturn economically right around the time of the election, and um, people don't like that, whether it's the president's fault or not. If you've got bad stuff going on with money and people are feeling the squeeze, they want the president out, even, you know, regardless. So there was this whole kind of feeling in the air at the time that change might be necessary, a new regime, a new kind of president, a cool president who plays saxophone on Arsenio Hall and, you know, (laughs) Likes the ladies and whatever else. So it was right. a, definitely a, a different time and it was a weird time to be a adult and you know, taking in all this new stuff, the new music, the way music was changing, popular music was changing at the time. So it was uh ninety two was a fun year. You yeah. were probably in you know, still nursing or something.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was in like fifth grade, so probably <laughs> fourteen
0: or so, maybe give or take. Fourteen in fifth grade. <laughs> Nah, is it too old? <laughs> it that's a little old dude <laughs> i mean i don't want to judge you if you were 14 in the fifth grade that's fine well, i think most you know, of us are 10 or 11 in fifth grade
1: but i am a what can i what can i say well so you
0: definitely were still nursing then in the fifth grade at 14 years old <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well i remember when this uh this first track we're gonna play i remember when this came out and i Pretty clearly I remember my classmates gathering around like a little boombox in our, in our classroom and, and pumping up this, uh, this new form of rap music, which was just kind of like uh, becoming mainstream. And we had these two 13-year-old boys who uh, put out like the hit record of the summer and uh, took over the, the world by storm here for a, a year or two. And of course, I'm talking about the infamous Crisscross, Daddy Mac and Mac Daddy, and their track, Jump...
0: We're gonna, we're going we gonna whack. I come stoppin' with somethin' pumpin' to keep you jumpin'. R&D, rappers, war crap, is what I'm dumpin'. Ain't nothin' suckin' about the criss-cross we all let So when they ask, do they rock, they believe that.
1: Jump, jump! The
0: mad Dad'll make ya. Jump, jump! A Daddy Mac'll make ya.
1: Jump, jump!
0: Criss-cross'll make ya. Jump,
1: jump! uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Jump, jump! The mad Dad'll make ya. Jump, jump!
0: A Daddy Mac'll make ya. Jump, jump! Couple of squeakers. <laughs> Yeah, I had
1: no idea they were so young. Yeah, they went on a tour with Michael Jackson, like, that summer. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. I don't
1: know. Yeah, that song was huge. It was everywhere. That's still kind of fun to hear it. I don't know. Well, they wore
0: their, they wore their clothes backwards, which was part that was, of their whole... That was the
1: whole thing, yeah. ...shtag. Genius marketing move. Genius. Yeah,
0: th- we can thank Jermaine Dupri, Uber right. producer, for that. Uh, right. He also brought us um, Lil Bow Wow a few years later. why. So.
1: Uh, no way. That's funny. Thanks a lot, Jermaine. Yeah, thanks a lot. No, <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a fun song. I like listening to it.
0: There's a song from that era that I really enjoy, and I still to this day listen to, with some regularity, I listen to the album, but it was kind of goofy. They were sort of a band that came and went because they were considered sort of a novelty. Right. Ugly Kid Joe with Everything About You. So, uh, Whitfield Crane, the lead singer of this band, continues to be active. I think Ugly Kid Joe is kind of back and touring over the last few years, put on a couple albums. He was in a bunch of different projects with guys from Godsmack, Whitfield Crane, that's right, that's his real name. So they continue you know i really really liked that but they were kind of caught in this rock between a rock and a hard place in 1992 where the whole alternative rock thing was taking over they right. were kind of like a cheesy metal band and the cheesy metal band thing was not cool anymore so they kind of looked like grunge guys but sounded sort of like you know hair metal so they were in this weird in between where they had several hits cats in the cradle remake and uh, Won't you be my neighbor? I think was the name of one of the other ones with uh, Mr. Rogers reference, by the way. So Mr. Rogers keeps coming up, man. That's right, that's right. <laughs> so that's my 1992 fun, goofy song, even though it's very hateful. Um, <laughs> but hateful it was so opposite, night. so opposite of everything else. Every other song is what about love. So that was right op- opposite day, Freaky Friday. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, it feels like it should be in a movie. I kept thinking, like, oh, is that from oh, uh, some kind of...
0: It's got to be. I soundtrack. bet it's a soundtrack to a bunch of 90s movies. All uh, right.
1: Yeah. Well, that was a fun, fun track. Couple of fun songs there, but we also picked out two full-length records that we want to dig into. It was actually a really pretty good year for for music. I know we did 1991 a few months back, and that year was just packed with awesome records. '92 I still has a pretty good selection, and we uh, we picked out two. Do you want to uh, do you want to start out with your pick, man?
0: Yeah, but first I'm gonna bring back an old favorite before we kick into this segment. Yeah. Okay, man, I did enough talking about The Ugly Kids. Why don't you tell me about your serious pick? What important album yeah. in 1992 shaped your 14-year-old fifth-grade life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to oh, yeah. let that one go, dude.
1: <laughs> well, there were quite a few records, actually. I was deciding between. You had um white zombie record, La Sexortito. Devil Music Volume 1. He had Faith and Moore's Angel Dust, which I love. Tori Anilas put out Little Earthquakes, probably one of her better records. I uh, had that really cool um, record from that band Morphine. Did you ever listen to them?
0: Not enough to remember. I, it, it was at the time, so not since. Yeah.
1: put out a cool moody record called Good... And Tom, Wait, Tom Waits' uh, Bone Machine came out that year, which is probably one of my favorite his records. But the one record that when I heard, I was like, oh my God, I have to talk about this record because it was like so influential at the time, is Rage Against the Machine, it's self-titled Rage Against the Machine. This kind of was the first successful um, kind of fusion between metal and rap music. And I would say it's probably the best of that you know, kind of created that genre and it's still probably the best in that uh in that space. You had a lot of copycats come down the road later in the nineties, like uh corn and Limp Bizkit, but this was kinda like the purest um definition of that sound and I love this record, man. So much energy, so much aggression, so much passion, but it's done in like a very um, thoughtful and kind of educated way. It doesn't just come off as brash, it comes off with like a real true statement, and it still sounds awesome. Uh, why don't we just jump in and play probably the biggest song off this record? Track six, or no, I'm sorry, track two Killing in the Name of. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> Such an awesome sound. Tom Morello on guitar there and Zach Roach on vocals, obviously, the kind of like the crux of the band there and recreate really that very unique sound. Were you, were you a fan of these guys back in the day, man?
0: Uh, I mean, I appreciated that they said, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me over and over again. <laughs> but I remember going to a friend's apartment probably in 92 or three when I first heard the album and they were like, Oh, this is the new thing. And, and I was like, but it's rap. And they're like, yeah, but it's different. It's like about protest. I'm like, but it's still rap. And so at the time I had this very sort of, I had drawn this line. I had been a fan Mm -hmm. of rap and everything in the eighties, but by the time 92 came around, I was into thoughtful alternative music alternative rock music, and to me, this was just rappity-rap or rappity-rap. I did like that they didn't use scratchy DJ stuff, but used guitar to make all those sounds, which I thought was pretty awesome. I remember at the time saying, Hey, I'd like these guys if they didn't do the rap guy, and they found like a singer... Which they eventually did with Slave, And I it's really enjoyed that. So I called it all the way back in 92. I just didn't
1: know. <laughs> it's amazing foresight there, man. But yeah, there was a funny liner note in this record. I remember something along the effects of like, no samples, keyboards, or synthesizers were used in the making of this record. Because that was like kind of a, that was a big deal back then, right? Like there was a lot of that, that DJ hip hop culture happening. And, and they wanted to make sure they stood out from that. And and they definitely did. I mean, like you said, it was much about, a lot about protests and kind of getting politically involved. And that was, like we were saying earlier in the show, that was kind of the, the culture that was happening in the U S, you know, everybody was getting kind of involved in politics and they were in the right time, the right place. And this record just blew up. The LA Times said that, uh, Zach had a Bob Marley like charisma and Chuck D style rap command, which I think is like the perfect way to describe, uh, his approach. And he, he's somebody that I've, always admired and felt like he was underrated as a lyricist and vocalist like he still puts out really interesting music and he still sounds still has that that energy and aggression to his voice that i think is really engaging um i want to play one more track from this record uh track six which is know your enemy this one's a little bit interesting because it has maynard from Tool, uh, provides vocals on this track, as well as the drummer from Jane's Addiction. And they're were, they were actually a band who ended up playing with a lot of other musicians later in their career, just as um, I know Flea played with, um, with Rage quite, quite a bit in some of their live shows. And uh, Let's play uh, track six here, Know Your Enemy. Yes. Hands down, the best music to have a riot to I've ever heard, easily.
0: <laughs> in which case, let's not listen to this, folks, because we do not want riots.
1: <laughs> Just quick story. I was, when I was at um, Woodstock in 1999 in uh, Woodstock, New York, they were the closer, I think, on the third night, I want to say. And things were already getting a little heated at the festival. The, you know, prices are really high for water and food and stuff. And it was hot. It was uncomfortable. Obviously there was thousands of people there. And when they came on, the crowd just lit up like everybody started freaking out there was well, riots people were throwing furniture there were fires breaking out in the middle of the crowd it was just absolute mayhem <laughs> and we actually had to leave before the end of their set because things were just like so raucous and rowdy we like it wasn't no longer safe to place to be it was just um they were the band of that kind of to get people riled up and get the masses kind of moving and uh excited about something and Man, do they ever do that? And this, this record is kind of the start of that that movement for them. So love it. Still sounds good today. Um, still gets me excited. So
0: I like it better now than I did then, for sure. Every once in a while I listen to it because bomb track really gets me going for the, <laughs> the first <Yeah>. song. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, it's a great rock record and the guy raps. And if you're okay with that, then you'll be okay with this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine. It's the uh, 25th anniversary this year. Uh, five years ago, they put out a special deluxe edition of the record with a bunch of bonus cuts and live versions and stuff, which is pretty cool. There's also some really good footage from their tour this year up on YouTube. If you, from the from 1992, if you want to check it out, um, there's some really good performances up there for your viewing pleasure.
0: Word up! All right, so yeah, no wrapping. But- For me
1: i'm shocked what uh what record from 92 did you pick out man
0: well i picked something with great harmonies overbearing despair Mm. but it still rocks and it kind of straddled that line in the 90s between the alternative and true metal in my opinion the album is dirt the band is alice in chains you've probably heard of them they were a band well are a band Formed in Seattle, Washington in 1987. Lane Staley was the lead vocalist. Although Jerry Cantrell, uh, founder of the band, also did lead vocals. And they harmonized in this haunting way. Mm -hmm. Totally unique and really hard rock and just dark riffs that just rattled your bones. They're still around. They have a new singer. Lane Staley passed away in 2002. Drug issues. But uh, this this was their second album. Their first was Facelift, which is also quite good, but Dirt was special. Every song, the hits are, you know, Wood, Them Bones, Angry Chair, Rooster, Down in a Hole. And, you know, a lot of these songs focused on depression, pain, anger, antisocial behavior, drug addiction. A lot of uh, talk about heroin. That was Lane Staley's uh, biggest issue. War, death just emotionally charged but the way that it was delivered was it also was poetic somehow i know you were young when it came out but what do you think of this album
1: uh i i love this record it was it's been so much fun going back and listening to it i think like the biggest accomplishment for me especially on this record for them is they developed that sound which is like immediately recognizable as allison chains like that guitar and the harmonized vocals is awesome (laughs) it still sounds great this whole record, I mean, every track on here is fantastic. It, it's, it's a great, great pick, man.
0: Thank you. Well, what, speaking of, why don't we listen to Wood, which we almost listened to a few weeks ago or months ago when we did the show about soundtracks. It's on the oh, single yeah. soundtrack as well. So it's the first song on the single soundtrack and the last song on this album, which I think is weird. Anyway, Wood, W-O-U-L-D, not Wood like boners. Okay, moving on, Wood. <laughs>
1: They play so well between the guitar and the vocals there. They just kind of like s- smoothly transition from one to the other there. It's just, it's beautiful. I think I played so much on the radio here in, in Rochester. Like, a <laughs> station here, The Nerve 95.1, 95.5, and they just would play that <laughs> once an hour, easily.
0: Oh, boy. Yep. The Nerve. <laughs> the Nerve. The nerve.
1: <laughs> Yeah, lots of cool little interesting stories throughout this, the lyrics on this record. Yeah. Um, You were saying a lot of drug abuse, but there's also um, some kind of interesting nods to literature and movies and Vietnam War and interesting little nuggets in there that I've been slowly picking out as we're examining these records.
0: Yeah, so the song Rooster apparently Mm -hmm. was written by Jerry Cantrell. For his father who served in the Vietnam War, his nickname was Rooster. And basically the song was, according to Cantrell, the start of the healing process between him and his dad from all the damage that Vietnam caused. So it's the story of Rooster surviving that, which I didn't know until last week. I just always sang along I just thought it was about general suffering I didn't know it was a specific story So that's, uh, I thought that was pretty cool So why don't we uh, play a little bit of that song real quick
1: Yeah Here come the roosters
0: Well, that song goes, it's got its ups and downs, this really powerful flow. I think the entire album does. I think every song on it does. And it's a pretty long record. I think it's over an hour, right? About an hour? It's about an hour, yeah. 57 minutes, 13 tracks. For those that haven't heard it, listen to it. For those who remember a bunch of the songs, listen to the record all the way through. It's a journey, and you'll be sad Angry, energized, and satisfied because it's amazing.
1: Yeah, kind of a funny story. They actually, I heard when they actually put the record out, some of the tracks weren't in the order they had originally intended. So they re released it like a couple of months later with the correct uh, track listing. I think Down in the Hole was the last track or towards the ah. end of the record, and they moved that up to get the flow right. So. I love that kind of stuff. Man, when an artist really cares about the flow of a record, like you were saying, there's a lot of kind of ups and downs to this one. It's important to get the the track order right. So
0: yeah, we got. I mean, I'm glad I got a chance to sit down and listen to it a bunch of times, not just casually, but with a little more purpose purposeful. And so that was a lot of fun. So 1992, some pretty good shit. Pretty good shit.
1: Pretty pretty good.
0: I think we're going to find that for pretty much every year in the 90s, at least from this old boy. (laughs) I loved it all. I mean, the other record I almost picked, as we talked about briefly, was Stone Temple Pilots' Core. uh, Because that was one of my favorites at the time. It rocks. It just doesn't have the artistic depth that this does. But Mm -hmm. it's a fun... You know, there were a lot of other things I thought about for this, too. Automatic for the People by REM. We haven't really talked about them on the show. Maybe we'll get to them at some point. Beastie Boys, Check Your Head. Kind of a change yeah. of direction for them. Uh, not that I was a fan, but Dr. Dre, The Chronic. That was a big deal. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff in 1992. Not the best year in the 90s, but there was some solid stuff. Another Black Crows record, Southern Harmony, and Musical Companion, Pantera Vulgar Display of Power. That's a great mm. record. If, yeah, that's if a good one. you can. It, the lyrics are dumb, but that's okay. It's If you want to just pound your fists till they're bloody, that's a good record. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Who doesn't really? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to uh,
0: wrap
1: up the show here, but we'll be back to do 1993 at some point in the near future. Um, I know next week we're going to be talking about a few new releases. We'll hopefully uh, see you then.
0: Yeah, the see me- you then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Sure does. In the meantime, check us out on the Twitters and our website, albumnerds.com. It's albumnerds with an A. And uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week.
0: Yeah, thank you. Don't forget to go to iTunes and give us five stars as well, because that helps everybody. Helps us find, help people find us. We want to hear what you think. Peace out. Love y'all. Enjoy 1992.